This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Real Vision and the Defiance, conjoined canter through crypto coinage and the cacophony of crazy we call Web3. Daring to repeat themselves publicly by dallying with me in this delicate dance of digital didacticism is Real Vision's Elaine Lee. And I am sorry to say that pillaging my geographical playbook with wanton abandon as she has freshly <laughs> arrived in the Netherlands, it's Camilla Russo. Welcome to the Hey, Cami. It's hey. grey, it's grey, but it's very Dutch and flat. <laughs> it's beautiful, I can't wait. So you've joined us in Europe, and, and Europe is uh, Europe's been on the menu uh, of late with the news mm-hmm. that the UK government is looking at crypto regulation on stablecoins. Um, Elaine, you are British to a degree. Yep, 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 yep. What, what's your take on this? Um, look, I think from what I'm just reading, it's just a little bit too late. Uh, to become like one of the leaders in crypto assets, which is what they're trying to be. So the UK government puts out a press release on this and they said, government sets out plan to make UK a global crypto asset technology hub. There's three things to take note of, which is number one, stable coins are to be recognized as a form of payment in the UK. Number two, that this is part of a push that the UK is just waving to the world saying, hey, we're a global hub for crypto asset technology and investment. Don't forget about us. And I think number three is that they're working with the Royal Mint, a non-fungible token. Um, The Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, said, it's my ambition to make the UK a global hub for crypto asset technology. And the measures we've outlined today will help to ensure firms can invest, innovate and scale up in this country. We want to see the business of tomorrow and the jobs they create here in the UK. And by regulating effectively, we can give them the confidence they need to think and invest long term. This is part of a plan to ensure the UK financial service industry is always at the forefront of technology and innovation. Now, from what I read about this, it's just I bet people and the big banks are just trying to make sense of this one because big banks are usually advised that that around one to four percent exposure into crypto assets is suitable for moderate risk investors. But of course, their clients would see headlines like HSBC buys virtual real estate in sandbox metaverse. So, you know, seeing that they can that HSBC is buying chunks of land in the metaverse. So but yet they're not allowed to pull more than a double digit figure with their with their asset of their of their assets. So it feels like it's it's a green light, but it's not quite there yet. But for me, I think as a wider outlook, it's just like I said, a little bit too too late has been done. And the UK has to me just not been as progressive as other countries like Dubai, the US, Hong Kong. You know, when I go back to the UK, my friends and family just seems to have the patience of me dabbling into talking about the main cryptocurrencies like a bit of Ethereum, a bit of Bitcoin. But that's that's all as far as we'll ever get. So the idea of implementing NFTs and digital real estate assets is still very foreign to them. But don't get me wrong. You'll probably find the one or the one or two who are interested 
And basically, that's your topic of conversation at the pub sorted out for the night, really, isn't it? So that's how I see it. Cammy, how are you reading this one? Um, well, I think it's it's pretty kind of it, it's good news. Um, I think it's a it's a good approach to crypto. Um, so before, like, l let me just backtrack and why I'm actually in Europe, and that's because uh, I was uh, speaking at a conference on CBDCs, uh, which was organized by the Bank of International Settlements and the National Bank of Switzerland. Um, and so you have kind of, and, and what I got, and, and we can kind of get into it uh, later, but what the general sense I got was fear from them. Um, so they, they're at least open to talking about it because, you know, they, they organized this conference, but it was a lot more about the risk of crypto, how to regulate it than the opportunity. Um, and at the same time, from the EU, I think we talked about uh, last last week, um, is this this uh, initiative to regulate non-custodial wallets um, and enforce kind of KYC on entities transacting with the non-custodial wallets, which is a huge blow to DeFi, of course. So we have kind of that going on in the backdrop, um, and then the UK uh, comes out with this kind of pro crypto regulation or or at least like um bent and and so i don't know like maybe it's it's kind of the uk um standing up like on opposite sides to the eu on kind of its take with with crypto i don't know but i i think kind of this approach of embracing what is native to to the cryptocurrency space um, and what's already thriving and flourishing, which is stablecoins, is a good move. Rather than trying to kind of um, kind of co-opt it, uh, co-opt co crypto, which I think is is kind of what CBDCs are. Like they're they're trying to make like digital uh, currencies happen, but without actually embracing blockchain technology and and what's native to the space. So to me, kind of that's the wrong way about it. But you know, actually, kind of. Uh, regulating and making stable coins a, a part of the economy sounds really positive to me. And then the, the Royal Mint uh, creating an NFT is just like, I don't know, it's just like one more on the bandwagon, you know, it's like one more for, for the meme. Uh, I think that's just like, you know, just like to give it a, a little bit more of like a PR uh, spin uh, to the news. But I, I think kind of the actual uh, good news here is stable coins be, being regulated um and and adopted and and allowed because that's kind of what central banks and and the banking industry is usually the most afraid of stable banks because that kind of poses the biggest threat to them so i think it's good news that the uk is taking this approach and also one more thing to add i saw somewhere britcoin um and i thought it was genius <laughs> i think they should uh, uh, <laughs> like make their own uh like found stable coin and call it Bitcoin. That's just throwing that out there. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, there, there are so many pieces to this puzzle. I'm going to start with the Royal Mint one because it's hard if you're not English to understand the, the rosy-tinted glasses that come with thinking about the Royal Mint. Going and putting a postage stamp on a letter. It had, the, you know, it had the head of the Queen on it. And these things, they were commemorative stamps that would come out. You get the Olympics one, and then, you know, royal weddings would have one. And you have these plates and crockery. Like, my grandparents had just collected this stuff, and I don't know why, but it was just so resonant. So the Royal Mint, this August institution that is so quintessentially British, and, and it's like the BBC. There's just there's things that are only found in Britain, and it's just so weird when you grow up with that. <clears throat> Thinking about that in the context of NFTs and everything I know about NFTs. I'm sorry, what? And I, and I, I kind of wonder, who is the audience for this? Is it, is it my grandparents? Are my grandparents going to be downloading a digital Royal Mail wallet and getting their NFT and, and showing it to me on, the, on their phone going, hey, look what I got. I'm like, it's just so strange. There's also obviously a Brexit story to all of this, which is the UK has, rightly or wrongly, tied itself up into all sorts of knots um, because 50.5% of the population voted for something they didn't understand. And so they are battling to kind of preserve London's status as, you know, one of the global leading global financial centers of the world. And, and there's often been talk, actually, of much of the financial activity that was in London moving to Holland, of all places, because the regulatory environment here in Holland is much more favorable. And so uh, a lot of what's been going on in, in Amsterdam in particular is making the landscape here a lot more favorable for financial institutions to move to Holland to escape the Brexit idiocy. So this is very clearly a move on Rishi Sunak's part to promote the UK as a, a leading center of financial innovation. Easy thing to say, not such an easy thing to do, but there's no doubt that in terms of talent and financial talent, there's a lot of it in the UK. But what's really interesting is that set against this, you have the backdrop of this war in Ukraine. And I hear over and over and over from people that I'm connected to in DeFi, the issues that they're having are because the developers that they've hired are Ukrainian. You wouldn't believe how much of the talent that's working in this space comes from the Ukraine. It's unbelievable. So you have this kind of perception of what the UK is in terms of financial leadership. And then the reality of what it's actually like in the real world. And so I think a lot of the time people think that they can apply solutions that they've come up with from all of the things that they've done previously in their previous lives and make them work in DeFi and in crypto. And I think they're going to be disappointed. You have to really take a crypto native viewpoint on all of this. But I mean, Rishi Sunak, bless him, he stepped in and he'll get flooded senseless left, right and center. Interestingly enough, when he tweeted about this, the usual mob of, you know, the, the crypto Twitter jumped in and said, have you considered this coin and this coin and this coin? You should buy Doge. You should buy SHIB. One of the things they were shilling was a GBP stablecoin on Terra. And that is an interesting one because Terra's stablecoin UST has been highly successful. And they actually did a um, Korean one stablecoin first, and then they realized that the US dollar version was going to be a lot more successful. Will they do a GBP version that will be adopted? I don't know. Let's stay posted on that one. So th that was a really interesting story and, and one that, you know, Elaine and I could speak to from the heart. What else was on the agenda last week? Well, uh, our old friend Elon was in the news. Elaine, can you talk us through this one? He just doesn't shut up, does he? If it's not one thing, it's another thing. Oh, Elon. <laughs> Look, 
The man bought 9.2 of Twitter shares. That's about $2.9 billion. So that makes him uh, the social media's company's largest shareholder. We saw a bit of uh, public I'm just going to stop forth. you there. You, you said he bought 9.2. 9.2% of his shares. 9.2%. That's the key thing. 9.2. <laughs> That's almost 10% of Twitter. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Massive deal. Massive deal. So, um, so we saw a bit of public back and forth between uh, the current CEO and him. And, you know, Parag goes, I'm excited to share that we're appointing Elon Musk to our board through conversations with Elon in recent weeks. It became clear to us that he will bring great value to our board. He's a passionate believer, an intense critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to make us stronger in the long term. Welcome, Elon. And then, you know, he diplomatically responds, looking forward to working with Parag and Twitter board to make significant improvements to Twitter in upcoming months. So lots more coming. Um, and then obviously Twitter has a meltdown. My favorite is what's going around. They gave him his new title in the Twitter sphere space, calling him CMO, not chief marketing officer, but um, chief meme officer is what they want to call our new Elon. But look, it was only a matter of time, I think. And um, one must remember that Elon is one of the top 10 influencers Twitter. And in crypto land, he has about 80 million followers. And that's, um, you know, quite a huge, significant uh, amount. And then the most followed account uh, is Barack Obama, actually, with 131 million. But look, a few weeks ago, my friend Hugo, who works for Twitter comms, sent me an article from Hypebeast. And the headline was that um, internal Twitter data reveals how many people are tweeting about crypto. And I'm just reading, I just read that again last night. And since 2020, there has been over a billion uh, tweets about crypto alone. The US, Indian, Indonesia tweets about crypto the most. But going forward, in, Indonesia. For me, Did you say Indonesia? Indonesia, yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a so, weird one. Uh, no, I don't think it is because if you think about like Philippines is uh, the country most active on uh, Facebook. So I don't know, Southeast nations are just really aggressive in social media. Sorry, Meta. Meta, um, Southeast Asian nations are just so technological savvy and active on social media. Um, but going forward, for me, it's going to be the edit feature. I mean, it was only, a, I think, a day before the announcement. Elon asked the whole Twitter world, do you want an edit button? So that, for me, is, is something that I'm looking forward to most of all. But look, billionaires, I find love buying media platforms so it sort of makes sense for elon to hit this one right so the interesting part means what is the future for twitter here and and you know you got to think about twitter is famous for its memes right and what coin is heavily backed by meme culture and that elon is a fan of dogecoin and then ultimately this week as well you saw a little rally for dogecoin so this is a, a story that i think is going to keep with us for the you know, over the next few months, it'd be interesting to see what changes he will make. Well, I think the the, the big story here is about free speech. And um, Cami, do, do you have a, any thoughts on that? Yes, uh, exactly right. Uh, I think that's that's a, the big story here. Um, at least a big story in crypto land, right? Like, I, I think um, all of us kind of in crypto Twitter have been seeing this rising um, I guess 
this content uh, about Twitter, uh, banning people, you know, blocking people, uh, lots of crypto uh, accounts being being deplatformed, and and that just doesn't sit well with the ethos of of the space, obviously. So Elon Musk uh, being very kind of you know a part of crypto Twitter and um, and outspokenly kind of pro pro crypto pro the space and with kind of ideals that you you assume are aligned um, crypto Twitter immediately <clears throat> kind of uh, assumed that this would be one of the the issues that he would want to tackle and sure enough uh, he came out with this question um, you know, asking people whether they they believe that um, that free speech uh, is that that Twitter adheres to uh, to free speech. So um, I think that's that's a big question here. Like, will there be any change in in Twitter uh, policy uh, regarding free speech? And you know, with with that specifically, it, it's you know Twitter's policies about. Um, um, you know who who it allows to uh, use its platform. What people can say. Um, in general, th there's this sense that people in to the right of the political spectrum um, are mo more likely to get deplatformed. And there's like different charts that people have shared uh, to to this. And so that's that's kind of. A, what I think crypto Twitter will be looking at. Will Elon have a say in this? Will there be any change? Um, and I think it's an important debate. Um, one thing to note is that there are already alternatives to Twitter which allow anyone to say uh, anything um, except, you know, things that are uh, clearly illegal, like inciting violence and like some, uh, some uh, forms of hate speech and so on. But other than that, platforms like Gab um, and a, a couple of others are already kind of presenting this alternative. And unless like I'm missing something, I think they, they haven't been very successful. Like they, they're not kind of um, really taking off uh, to any kind of mainstream degree. Uh, all of crypto Twitter, which is it's supposed to be kind of I think like their main audience is still on Twitter. Um, so I, I think that's that's weird. It's like if people actually wanted a free speech platform, why don't they already move to the alternative? Um, maybe they just want Twitter to be like to offer this and, and not move because they're lazy. I don't know. But I think, you know, that's that's something to 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 question there. Uh, is, is it actually kind of a big deal or is it more kind of, you know, for a meme or like a, a narrative that uh, people on crypto Twitter like to adopt? Well, I guess there's, there's a couple of things to look at here, one of which is cancel culture and the degree to which companies like Twitter are pressured to act in the face of something that has happened, i.e. Trump. So Trump was probably the, the, the highest profile casualty of deplatforming. He said, okay, I don't like this, set up his own social media platform, Truth Social. He said, I created it to stand up to the tyranny of big tech. That was his big shill. And it's been an absolute disaster. And it's been an absolute disaster not because, um, because it's a bad idea, but just because, you know, building a 
social media platform is actually quite hard, turns out. Uh, but there, there could be a way in which you, in the same way that you can, you can have safe search on Google or on YouTube, you could have a safe search option on Twitter so you could filter results or filter content. That might be one way to do it. Or you simply set up a, you know, a, a secondary platform. I think it makes more sense to have an, op an opt-in to full free speech. And as you rightly say, Cammy, there's, you know, nobody really wants the full undiluted version of the internet because I think we would be horrified if we got it. And there's a lot of stuff that we don't get. We don't see it. And it's a good thing that we don't, you know, and if you have children, you, you don't want them exposed to that stuff. So there has to be some element of opt-in to censorship uh, of material on the internet because otherwise we, we'd all go mad. But you also said, Cami, you know, something that's clearly, and in that moment, you've also fallen into the same trap as everyone who tries to regulate this space, which is there can be no line or there is only lines. You can't have mm. it both ways. Someone has to be the arbiter of where that line sits and where we decide what constitutes hate speech. Because for one person, it might not be. And then, and it constantly shifts. You know, the attitudes towards homosexuals and, and you know, women's rights change, and rightly so. But, like, no, where no, we no. are now. I, I think, I, I don't think there, like, there should be, like, an arbitrary line. But I think, like, in at least in the U.S., there's just, like, it's very clearly um said like what is legal and what's not and and to me that's the only line that that you know that's there that there should be on social media i, I believe like I, I think i believe in like 100 free speech unless you're breaking the law and i think to me that's that's the only line basically and and um i think in yeah in the us there's like laws around it and and i'm sure there's like different types of laws for hate speech in in other countries but i i don't think there should be um, you know, an, an arbitrary line placed at all. So, yeah, just to clarify my position, because absolutely no. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, I struggle with this as well, because I, I self-censor. <laughs> I very much do self-censor in terms of what I say on Twitter, and, and I have fairly careful guardrails around it, because I, yeah, I, I don't want someone coming and mugging me in the street for being connected to, to crypto or NFTs. Elaine, do, do you have any thoughts around kind of free speech and what we should and shouldn't be saying? Look, for me personally, Twitter is a vomit of everything, right? I just use it for work purposes. So again, it's going back to your point of self-censoring. It was a place where I take in information. I don't really put personal um, sort of feels about how, you know, my outlook on what I think about the world on a regular basis. And just Twitter for me is very noisy. And look, if I can be less quiet on it, I would actually prefer that route. And but, you know, it's part of my job to be in the crypto sphere to to understand what people are saying and reacting and responding. And I love it as using it as a tool like that. But for like my own health and sanity, the less of it for me, the better. Um, so I just think, you know, in terms of just free speech, um, yeah, it goes back to self-regulation and self-censorship to me. You know how much you put out there yourself. And to me, Twitter, it, we do need a sort of more decentralized Web3 version of it. I think, you know, people are using it a little bit like meta. So if I'm not there taking crypto information from it, I'm not really a fan of using it because I see people 
sometimes using it as they're giving me their Facebook feed or meta feed or whatever you call it, which I'm not really a fan of. Like if I can cut out from Twitter, the less of it I use in my daily normal life outside of the 40 hours I put into crypto, the better health it is for me, I think. So the, so the, the final backdrop to all this is that Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, famously came out against Web3 not so very long ago, claiming mm. that it was completely owned by VCs now. And so we have this huge tension, like we, we're seeing Instagram do NFTs, we're seeing Twitter do NFTs, we're seeing Twitter attempt to integrate or adopt some of the Web3 ideas. It's going to be fascinating to see who gets it right and who gets it wrong, and also to see what Web3 can come up with to you know, draw people into a, a very different way of doing things. Now, when we talk about Elon Musk, we of course talk about SpaceX and we talk about Tesla. And Tesla made news this week in our space for being, well, for basically using MakerDAO as a lender for a pretty substantial real estate deal. I wonder if you could talk us through this one, Cami, because it was, there was a cool story. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a um, really surprising story. Like you wouldn't expect to, to see um, like Tesla and MakerDAO like on the same, on the same headline. Um, and so we have this story on the Defiant uh, that you should um, check it out. And what happened here is that uh, MakerDAO is is uh, working with a um, with a lender, um, and that lender just works with you know traditional brick and mortar uh, companies. And so what um, this this lender is doing is using a, a collateralized loan on on MakerDAO uh, to to finance some of uh, Tesla's operations. Um, I I think you know it's it's really kind of th that's where MakerDAO has been wanting to go um, for, forever. Like if if you talk to Rune, that's kind of the holy grail for them, or at least for for part of the team. Um, this bridge between uh, DeFi, uh, on-chain finance, and real world, uh, making a real world impact. And so, you know, uh, things like Centrifuge are, are part of this. Um, and, and now uh, th this lender uh, who I, I am kind of spacing on the name, it's, it's six Success Capital. Success Capital, right. Yeah. Success capital, yeah. S success. It's a clever one, that success. one. Success. Uh, that, success. There you go. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very they, good. Spend, they spend a lot yeah. of money on uh, branding consultants for that one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's 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 part of this, like, uh, broad bridge uh, between the, kind of with a real world uh, strategy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty mind blowing that it's actually happening so quickly and with such a, like, well-known company. Can you say validation? Yeah, the Make, MakerDAO, if you didn't know, is the entity that came up with DAI, which is, you know, the, the most famous stablecoin that isn't backed by US dollars. It's backed by Ethereum. So you take out a loan uh, in DAI, but you back it with Ethereum and you have to over-collateralize. And one of the challenges for DAI has been to attract a more diversified basket of collateral to the platform. And one of the things they've been talking about, these RWAs, real world assets. So bringing in um, the possibility of having under collateralized loans into MakerDAO, that really would open up the platform and the decentralized method of lending and borrowing 
to a very big audience. And so you, you were kind of expecting there to be a, some poxy little deal somewhere, like somebody like took a car loan out. But no, they just came, bam, with Tesla. That sends some shockwaves. It, it probably doesn't feel like a big deal outside of this space, but in this space, this was a big one. And it's this huge validation of something that was actually quite, I mean, it was quite controversial, this idea of bringing non-crypto assets into the maker mm -hmm. universe. But, uh, you know, if they make it work and they bring in a, a, like a ton more liquidity, then everyone will be happy, I think. So, Elaine, do you have any questions? Do you have any thoughts? Do yeah, you have any, I, I do. Like, I what do, is I this? Do. What is it all about? What does it mean? Like... Honestly, before um, actually logging on to the Defiant today, I don't know who MakeDAO is, but for me, just Satan. I don't what? care. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. There's so Satan. many DAOs, so many DAOs in the space. But this is me, the OG DAO. It's like okay, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the backbone of DeFi. It's got a it, central got it. bank of DeFi. Okay. Okay, got it. Mother of all DAOs. No, but oh she's not God. wrong. It, it really is. And, and the die stablecoin <laughs> yeah. is the mother of all stablecoins. It really no, is. This is this is good for, for you guys to tell me that Absolutely. You know, this, this is what it is, is. But for me, it's just like, it just makes me realize who, who advises Elon Musk in this blockchain space? There must be a secret team in Tesla talking about this kind of stuff. Because just think about the week that Tesla has had so this is happening and Twitter is happening. I do wonder who is the team that consults Elon and blockchain. That's what got well, me thinking about the space. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Elon DYORs himself because he's, he's a very famous autodidact. He'll, he'll, if there's a problem to be solved, he'll go and learn how to solve it himself. It's, he's famous for that. So I suspect he does, he does it all himself. I don't know what you think, Cammy. All yeah, himself. No, I, I think... I, I think that I don't think this was like part of this like blockchain strategy necessarily. I think, you know, it's this kind of company, okay, Success Capital, um, who is, you know, probably one of many vendors for Tesla or like many counterparties that work with Tesla. They probably offered good terms on their loan, uh, on their, you know, financing deal. Uh, it, it was, um, the deal is worth 7.8 million um and you know this firm probably got good terms from their maker loan and that was basically it and i i, I would imagine okay 7.8 million is not like you know pocket change but it's not a huge amount either for i guess like a company like tesla so i think you know just like putting things in, into perspective i think it was like about getting good terms on a deal on on a financing um you know for a loan that that was big but wasn't like you know a huge thing that that probably didn't need like many levels of approval maybe elon doesn't even know that this is going on you know maybe like this was something that just like their like finance team did and 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 was were able to get approved uh, quickly um so yeah i don't know i think this is like actually blockchain and DeFi working like it's supposed to, you know, it's it's not about like some PR stunt that Tesla is pulling to say blockchain. This is actually, you know, a, a financing company using MakerDAO on kind of the, the back end 
um, and just like offering good terms for this big company to to like finance their uh, new repair and collision center. And that's basically it, which I think is is better news, you know, than if it was some part of this like blockchain strategy. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just a normal thing. It's just it was facilitated mm -hmm. by blockchain, and it was also yeah. facilitated by a project that has really been one of the leading voices or, or has led the way it was really the birth of DeFi with MakerDAO. It really is mm -hmm. kind of fun to see that. I, mean, I forget now, you know, it's easy to forget how long DeFi has been around for. It's been around for some time now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Anyway, it's time to move to the final story of the day, and I get to bring out a prop. There it is. Uh-oh. It's uh -oh. a Ledger Nano S or X. <laughs> and it is the subject of our story. The Ledger has partnered with the Sandbox to promote crypto education in the metaverse. <laughs> Ledger, the French company uh, that builds these things, hardware wallets that everyone should own. And they are moving into the Sandbox to do metaverse education. This is a, one, a story that's kind of close to our hearts because we actually made films for Ledger and with Ledger for over a year. So we know the team pretty well. And we were part of that education initiative that uh, Ian Rogers, who... Uh, is the experience officer at Ledger had put together. So, Cami, how do you read this one? Do you think this is just another empty sandbox partnership, or do you think there's something here? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's empty or not, but I think it's just useful, you know, for um, for people, uh, you know, in this community. Um, to be using a hardware wallet. I think it, it should be more more common and, and people should be, um, you know, getting getting used to uh, storing their, you know, crypto that they're not using in something like, like Ledger. So, you know, I think it's a great partnership. Just like thinking about from a um, safety perspective and kind of like onboarding perspective, uh, I think it was a great move. Elaine, what's your take on it? Um, I think uh, it's all about the education initiative, which I think is the most important thing. I think, you know, Ledger being one of the world's largest providers of, of hardware crypto wallets and Sandbox being one of the most um, popular community-driven platforms that lives on the blockchain. So put two and two together, this is um, sort of inevitable. But, you know, it's not much of that much interesting story because it's just a partnership. But what I sort of told myself and reminded myself that just to ask a question of like, who is Ledger as a company? So I just did a little research and, you know, they're a company that's been around since 2014. Over 15% of the world's crypto assets are secured uh, through Ledger. Headquarters is in Paris. They have offices in London, New York and Singapore. So they're a global company. And I believe uh, they have a team of just over 500 professionals that's developing uh, their products. So I think in terms of growth, there's lots of happening for this company, but, you know, only 500 people to educate this whole crypto space. So there is, 
you know, a lot of room for them to grow. So I think with so many people onboarding onto crypto, many partnerships like this need to be made. Um, I really love how they only, they carefully only select their partnerships. So even with certain um, NFT projects that are, are backed by, you know, good sturdy founders, like Women Rise, they've partnered up with Ledger, um, OnChain Monkeys, they've partnered, partnering up with Ledger, and just people who are really serious about educating people and be safe uh, in this space which I, I think is a very important. But yeah, I've kept up with Ledger just over Twitter spaces and they have their office hours, which is, you know, like an open line for anyone to to basically reach out to how on earth you use this. Because I remember the first time I set up my Ledger, it was a really painful experience. It took me actually hours just to get things right because you have to be so careful about it. So it, it's, you know, a company that's been around, but still very new to people but I'm glad they have like an open line of communication for people to reach out to. And, you know, anybody's watching who owns crypto assets should have a ledger, period. Or at least some kind of hardware wallet or some kind of uh, solution for your private keys. I've actually been looking into a more robust solution. You know, I'm looking at engraving steel blocks. On oh, the there's the Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Where succession planning. Well, well, that's the thing. Shouldn't answer that. You know, the 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 simple truth is that the the more time I spend making videos, the more of a target I feel on my back, honestly. Mm. And you know, it, it is it's starting to become you know, like with, there are so many hacks, right? There are so many things going on. Like you just, I revoke permissions daily now. It's just a habit, and so you know, I think Ledger's message is that people who are educated about crypto by ledgers because they understand the risks and they understand the you know the necessity of op, you know operational security opsec so i think it's interesting i i i love the fact that they're going into the metaverse sandbox is one of those things which is like this mythical place that nobody can play you know they've had alpha season two and that's it like you still can't mm -hmm. play anything there there's all this promise of the sandbox but it's like well what is it going to be and I guarantee right. you that when it launches for real, it will be disappointing because oh. <laughs> these things these things always are. They, it just will be. Mm. So the, there's this huge amount of kind of hype around sandbox and metaverse and building, you know, voxel uh, avatars and everything to go into the sandbox. But there's no doubt that they understand that you cannot simply launch what is effectively a TV channel or an entertainment channel unless you have good shows ready to go. And look at Apple. Apple launched what they hoped would be a rival to Netflix. And they launched with some okay shows. Weren't amazing. Uh, now they're starting to see some really good shows. But it's taken two and a half years. And this is Apple, who have more money than anybody else on the planet, to get it going. So Sandbox have a huge challenge in front of them to create an entertainment context that people will hang around in and, and forgive them for the teething troubles that they'll have. Uh, but there's no doubt, you know, we're, we're also looking at metaverse. How do we entertain people in the metaverse? How do we educate people in the metaverse? And I think one of the the lessons I learned from the partnership with Ledger was that they care immensely about this. They want to give people the best experience possible. They're also libertarians, you know, they're French. They don't give a fuck. They're like, <laughs> you know, they, they told me a story about this phone that they were creating for um, the, pr the protesters in Hong Kong. Like, this is just a secret skunk works oh, wow. project. They, they were building a phone that was that would allow them to operate um, without getting arrested. There's so many, That's so many awesome. things about Ledger you just don't know. You just mm -hmm. see this little kind of kind of shonky USB stick. But no, there, there's there's some very 
they're about as web three as it gets, even though they may not look like that from the outside. So um, uh, they're legit. Yeah, no, they're legit, and I'm, I'm happy that we, you know, we still, as a company at the Define, we still have some contacts and connections with them, and we're still mm. hoping to work with them at some point in the future because it was a good experience. Go watch School of Blog. Yeah. <laughs> So people still people still kind of say oh like you should you should keep doing videos like that's kind of what that really helped me get into crypto like i'm still getting those comments about school of block it was it was a really good one anyways it, yeah what's what's you school of block so you don't even know. We, yeah no it's 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 really it's great it's on our youtube and their youtube ledger's youtube channel and it was this uh, partnership we had with them uh, where kind of Robin was the face of this really great educational content produced together with Ledger. Yeah, so we, we basically took foundational concepts that weren't really DeFi so much and then kind of did a fun journey through them and put it out weekly. So that's really it for the main stories we had on uh, on our plate this week. Is there anything else that has sort of popped up uh, in the last 24 hours for you, Elaine? No, I, I'm just keeping my head down, recovering from various NFT parties I've been to. Obviously, <laughs> I went from NFT LA, got kidnapped by a bunch of monkeys to go and attend uh, the Grammys. So um, I was at the you Grammys. You went to the Grammys? Oh, yeah, so well, not, not, not into <sighs> the actual Grammys, but the pre and post parties. I was definitely down for those. So basically, we was invited by, um, I was invited by Unchain Monkeys and also... Um, they were part of one of, which is the, the official company to partner up with the Grammys for the next three years to make NFTs uh, for the Grammys. So they're building this on the Tezos blockchain, which is much more cheaper and affordable. Um, so yeah, one of is basically partnered up with, with the Grammys to make NFTs. And, you know, you saw Trevor Noah make the joke um, on stage where he was like, oh, from the pandemic, people are buying monkey pictures. So it was just great to see some of those communities actually applying in real life events through uh, NFTs. And it, there were just great communities. And Steve Aoki, who is such a massive voice um, in the community, is, is just, you know, just really putting NFTs into the whole music scene. So that was really interesting for, for me to see. But I'm definitely recovering from that. There's a cream <laughs> that for that, fun. you know. Maybe, what maybe you... that's what we should do, the defiance anti-NFT cream. You know, if, you get, <laughs> if you get a rash from hanging around crypto bros too much, slap right. this on. Um, on my radar, oh my Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is going to deliver her first speech on crypto today and call for a comprehensive policy framework. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, what happened? Um, wait, I, I, I thought Biden had already done that. There will, will be another comprehensive oh, policy is... framework in the US? Yeah, you know, oh, it, know Yellen, know. Yellen speaks will be the new China FUD. This oh, is it. God. Yeah, this is the new China FUD. Okay. Right here. Right. Um, Maybe, okay, uh, we'll we'll do me... next week, I guess. Uh, let me, guys, uh, let me ask you guys this. What, what uh, havoc and mischief are you two up to? Like, you know. What are you going to get up to? Are we going to see Camilla in some videos this time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's going, to be, she's going to be the angel of truth in a video that we're making. You think I'm lying? Ooh, love that. I'm not. Love I'm not. That. I'm excited. I'm excited. The angel luck, of alpha. Uh, Good luck. Also, also interesting news that the Sweden is testing the e-krona and is worried about privacy. Well, duh. 
that's it for this week. Elaine, thank you so much for joining me. Cami, thank you so much for coming to my beloved country. I'm looking forward to having a drink with you tomorrow evening. Oh, uh, that was it for this week. It was Real Vision versus Defiant. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to Real Vision Crypto. For more great crypto content like this, head over to realvision.com forward slash crypto and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.